There are business leaders that are making so much more than profit in their enterprises. They're elevating their businesses, teams and themselves to add more value. And so can you. Welcome to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show with host Chris Cooper. If you were looking for ways to elevate success while contributing to a better world, you'll want to listen in for the next hour. Now here's your host, Chris Cooper. Hello, this is Chris Cooper and a big, big welcome to the Business Elevation Show. It's, as ever, just great to be back with you. Uh, this And this week, we're going to be having another fantastic guest. We're going to have John Livesay. I've had John on the show before, three years ago. We talked about irresistible selling, and uh, John is just a great guy. I, I love uh, connecting with John, and I'm just excited to find out what he's been doing and to learn today all about his uh, his thoughts around the sale is in the tale. Five storytelling secrets to keep from drowning in a sea of sameness. So that's what we're going to discuss today. And um, before we do that, I'd just like to um, say... You know, welcome. I hope wherever you are, wherever you're listening to in the world, that you're safe and well. Uh, there's a lot of uh, uh, there's trouble and conflict going on uh, in different places around the world, and particularly at the moment in the Ukraine. And my thoughts are with uh, anybody who's really struggling and suffering with that, and and also um, gratitude for all those people who are doing amazing things to uh, to contribute and help with uh, a major humanitarian crisis. Um, on the show last week, we had Alan Chambers, MBE, and David Howell. And what a conversation we had about uh, mental and financial resilience. And uh, seriously, there was so much in that interview. There were so many thoughts and nuggets and, and ideas. And um, you know, if you've not listened to it, uh, do. We've had lots of feedback to say it was a great show. And just two very interesting characters, David Howell, the financial um, expert who'd worked with um, had his own large financial company, and he's uh, but was really really cares about well-being and about financial well-being, and uh, comes from a financial perspective from a very caring place. And then Alan Chambers, MBE, who by coincidence um, we turned out to have been to the same school together, and his sister um, Debs, uh, I was in the same class with throughout school, and Alan um, came from a very working class background like myself. Uh, joined uh, the Royal Marines, the Royal Commandos, I think. And then he um, he then went on and was um, facilitated and uh, participated and led um, the first expedition that was not unsupported from Canada to uh, the North Pole. Uh, 500 miles in the worst storm in, um, in history uh, there, uh, 70 days, and they achieved this amazing feat. And he's now working with leaders um, around the, the world and helping them to kind of step up. But resilience at the moment is important. It, we, we need that resilience uh, to keep ourselves positive, keep ourselves moving forward, keep ourselves helping people and, and, and keep on contributing. So today we've got somebody who um, I believe uh, makes a big impact uh, in his work. And he just loves, he just loves storytelling. And uh, it's something that um, I also feel passionate about and occasionally have in, within leadership programs just explored this and shared my thoughts and tips and ideas and helped others to build um, their stories and their, their talent and capability for it. Now, John um, is a storytelling expert. He is uh, someone with huge skills when it comes to sales performance. Uh, he's known as the pitch whisperer, aka the pitch whisperer. 
And John is a sales keynote speaker, master storyteller. He's an exceptional former guest on the show. And his TEDx talk, Be the Lifeguard of Your Own Life, has over 1 million views. And his podcast, The Successful Pitch, is accessed in over 60 countries. I mentioned he has a new book, The Sale is in the Tale, Five Storytelling Secrets to Keep from Drowning in a Sea of Sameness. And he teaches us how to use storytelling to improve professional and personal relationships. So, um, hey, John, I'm really excited to have you on the show today. How are you? Chris, great to reconnect with you. Thanks for having me back. Oh, no, it's brilliant. And, uh, and, and you've moved. You're, you were in Los Angeles the last time we spoke. Um, what's happened to you over the last three years <laughs> since March of 2019? Well, it's, it's fascinating. Nobody could have predicted all the changes that would happen in three short years. Uh, in March of 2020, I decided to move to Austin to have a new adventure and change things up a little bit after being in Los Angeles for decades. And it turned out right after I moved here, the pandemic hit. So it was a bit of a shock to experience a pandemic in a new city because I was set to meet new people. And of course, everyone's like, not now. So that was, uh, but now I've been here two years and I've completely become part of the community and all the wonderful people here. And you mentioned something about Austin, Texas, and uh, it loves to kind of promote weirdness. It does. The actual city theme is keep it weird. You can see <laughs> that on T-shirts and all over the city, which I just love. It attracts a lot of different creative people here who are accepted for whatever they want to wear or do, or and it's it's a fun vibe. And it must have been, I mean, it must have been really good, in some ways, good timing for you. I imagine there's much more open space in Austin, Texas than Los Angeles, because I think uh, the pandemic for a lot of people was quite grim if they were stuck in you know, in a, an apartment somewhere with no garden. Um, exactly. So you, you probably did a probably good timing, I suspect. It was. People asked me if I predicted that or how did I know to leave town, because um, a lot of people have since left. And um, I, I didn't know it just I followed my gut. And, you know, I think of life as an adventure and also a story. And it was time for a new chapter. Mm. And you have you uh, have you found from a from a business perspective any you know any challenges moving from a, a huge city like Los Angeles or uh, is your work just so digital and uh, and you know and, uh, and and requires you to mm. travel anyway? What, what, what's um, well what's when I first you know when the pandemic first hit as a sales keynote speaker I had to pivot quickly and learn how to become a virtual sales keynote speaker and entertain hundreds of people on a Zoom call and keep them engaged. And we weren't even sure how that was going to work. Everyone's on mute. You don't hear the laughter you normally do when you're giving a talk. But I um, have found a tool called Ecamm that allows me to have all kinds of special effects. And that really keeps people engaged and takes the stories that I'm telling to another level. So if I'm talking about being a lifeguard and saving a little girl, I can push a button and suddenly my face is underwater as I'm finishing the story. So that seems to have been a, a and then I've been asked to help salespeople feel comfortable on a Zoom call selling, which is a skill they never needed before. So now things are getting back to where live events are happening and I'm traveling again. And Austin, because of Tesla opening up a plant here and other big companies coming, um, the airport's having a lot more nonstop flights to major cities, so I'm able to hop on a plane and, and go wherever I need to go. Fantastic. Hey, well, I'm, I'm pleased it's worked out. You got any hobbies and interests? I mean, do you, do you, uh, uh, you, know, do you enjoy the outdoors? Are you... 
Oh, yeah. Well, there's a 300-acre park here, Zilker Park, with a, a lake around the whole city. And I love photography. And it's one of the things that kept me creative and expressing because you could do that by yourself on a walk. And, um, you know, there's turtles and all kinds of beautiful mm. things here. That um, So when I took photography back in college, they said it's uh, painting with light. And I love that description of photography. Since I can't paint, I can take pictures. Yeah, fantastic. You take take pictures and you can then tell stories about them, your experiences. <laughs> yes, well, photojournalism was all about coming up with a perfect caption underneath the picture that would make it come alive. Yeah. So so tell me, you know, you've, you've written this uh, new book on on the sale is the, is the tale in the tale. And uh, what made you decide to write it? Why was it important right now that this book hits the shelves and impacts I, the world? The reason the sale is in the tale is important now is, first of all, it's a business fable. And that genre has not been ever used from a perspective of a salesperson. There's fables about leaders and all these other topics, but not through the lens of a salesperson. And I actually said it here in Austin as a love letter to the city with different places that I've discovered in love. And I think people now are looking for a way to connect with others beyond just pushing out numbers. And as you read the subtitle, so many people feel like they're drowning in a sea of sameness. I'm a lawyer, I'm an architect, I'm a, I sell medical equipment, whatever it is, People think, well, it all sounds the same, but when you learn how to tell a story, and everyone can learn how to do that, um, it's not like having to be a great athlete or opera singer, you suddenly start engaging with people on a much better way. And coming out of the pandemic, the timing is perfect that people are looking for new ways to connect. I think that's really interesting that you just, what you said there, because so it enables people to connect in a different way. I also, Imagine you're talking there about people who might be drowning in a sea of sameness. Is some of that sameness uh, linked to the, the same stories they tell themselves about their lives? Well, yes, I think of all of us as the movie director of our own life. And the good news about that is you can yell cut at any time. You can change the location, the cast. Otherwise, we can let ourselves play out a horror movie in our head of what could happen in our life or in the world. And we need to have the ability to zoom out and yell cut and change the story we're telling ourselves. I just got, you've got to be thinking as to whether, you know, sometimes we, we look out at other people, we may see them on social media. We might think they're having better lives than us. Is it just that they're, some of them are maybe better storytellers? Well, I think the key to remember when you're looking at a social media post is that is one moment in time, literally a snapshot. And you have no idea what happened right after that. Maybe they spilled wine on themselves or they got into a fight. But you're looking at the best highlighted, curated, photoshopped moments of someone's life. And you're comparing your whole life to that. I'm like, I don't feel that happy all the time. And it's really not healthy for anybody of any age, but especially young people have uh, been known. The more time you, young people are spending on social media, the more depressed they get. So we all need to monitor that. No overindulgence of that at all, because then it's just a, uh, a dark rabbit hole of comparing yourself all the time, which triggers the imposter syndrome, Chris. And that is the kiss of death. Yeah. Yeah, def definitely. I, I'm, I, at the moment, I we were just chatting before the the uh, the interview, and you know, myself, I had to make a conscious choice to 
to to reduce the amount of intake I have of stories in the media right now because yeah. uh, you know some of them are so so horrific and so dark uh, that actually it was affecting how I was feeling and 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 then you know that, and then what it does is it affects my ability with my work with my clients my family to be able to to as positively impact them um mm-hmm. so you know it can take you down can't it and you become less less effective at uh, contributing to solutions not problems yes it was like when 9-11 happened and so many people were just watching the news endlessly watching the planes crash into the buildings over and over and over again and you're just hypnotizing yourself to reliving trauma and it doesn't serve anybody to do that no um i heard i think it was the word doom scrolling i think i read uh, <laughs> this week so i think uh, just be careful you're not doom scrolling uh, would be a recommendation. But obviously, it's good to appreciate really what's going on and help where you can. Um, I was kind of like the idea that you're, the sale is in the tail mm-hmm. is what you chose to do. You told, chose to tell a story. Yes, because it's one thing to learn something, but if you're as a story about storytelling, you're immersed in it, and ideally you care about the characters and wonder what's going to happen. And when you're a really good storyteller you get people to see themselves in the story and then they want to go on the journey with you. Mm. And that's what makes storytelling such a powerful sales tool is it's a different part of our brain that's engaged. Instead of analyzing facts and figures, we're emotionally engaged and see ourselves in it and think, oh, that sounds like me. Then I want to see what happens next. And like a good movie or TV show, when you're engaged like that emotionally and the secret is we buy emotionally and then back it up with logic. So if you've got a story that's tugging at someone's heartstrings, they're more likely than not to open the purse strings. Yeah, <laughs> I like that. And it's true, isn't it, that we human beings just love storytelling. We're wired for it. It's in our DNA. You know, in the, when people all lived in caves, there were stories around the campfires and drawings in the caves. And now we sit around the globe of PowerPoints. But it's, it's uh, when you say to somebody, oh, or start telling a story, they relax a little bit. They say, oh, this might even be entertaining and inspiring or informing. It's just a different way of processing information. And is, is it, um, it feels if you tell a really good story, it can be very kind of heartfelt, but it, it says something about you, doesn't it? And it uh, kind of well, can, connects you with that other person, maybe, maybe something in a more informal, more vulnerable way. Exactly. The more empathy you show, in fact, the better you can describe someone's struggles or pain points or problems, the more they think you have their solution. So if you're telling a story of someone else that was having the same challenges that you are, and that person goes, wow, you really understood that person and that sounds like me, they see you as a Sherpa or Yoda from Star Wars. I think the big mistake people can make when they think, oh, I'm going to tell a story is you don't make yourself the hero of the story. The client is the hero and you're the person helping them get to their goals. And when you tell a story that way, then people feel like, oh, I, I need you on my team. Mm. Can, can you also, though, can a story not be powerful when you, you prepare to share a story that uh, shows your vulnerability? You know, you're a speaker. and uh, Oh, yes. You know, your mess is your message. Yeah, <laughs> like that. Yeah. When you are, you know, when my TEDx talk working on that, it was like, you have to show what, you know, what did it feel like when I got laid off mm-hmm. and, uh, you know, the kick to the gut and the disappointment and the fear of the future and all those things 
make people relate to you so that they figured, well, if you can bounce back up, maybe I can too. But if you've come, if you're not vulnerable with people or pretend that you have all the answers all the time, no one can relate to you. Yeah. Actually, you're, you're kind of helping me now. I think uh, uh, people probably don't, don't know this, but I had a, I had a big surgery a few weeks ago, sort of three hour surgery on my stomach uh, with, with risk attached. And uh, I've been, been recovering since. Uh, unfortunately, I, I discovered uh, last week that actually it had failed and I've got to have it done all over again. So I think, I think um, I've got probably got some uh, potential speaking material there and storytelling material. You definitely do. Yes. <laughs> because we all get, life is either uh, sometimes frustrating where somebody cuts you off on the freeway or um, we get disappointed. Either we thought something was going to happen, a sale or a promotion and it doesn't, or we get right out rejected in our personal life or in, um, you know, business. But then we have these moments where life goes, oh, you've got to be kidding, where it's a, a little, you know, a death of a loved one or like you with the, the health challenges and you have to think to yourself, can I rally again? Do I, ha I've already been knocked down once. How can I get back up again? And that's really where the hero's journey kicks in because you think, well, you know, he or she survived one knockdown, but this second one's probably going to take them down. And you realize you've got more tenacity and grit inside of you than you ever knew was there. You just have never needed to use it before. Yeah. And you mentioned sort of Yoda there and it's, it's, uh, and it's it's interesting, isn't it, how sometimes when you are knocked down, the, the perfect sort of guide suddenly kind of appears. And I just had this news that uh, I was there was something wrong uh, and my anatomy wasn't right and I was going to need some surgery. And I sat down waiting for a cannula to be taken out of my arm. And next to me was this lovely lady who was from Romania. Um, she'd lost her hair because she'd had cancer. And she just leaned over to me and said, it's going to be all right, it's going to be all right you know. Oh. Uh, and, and I talked to her and she had was facing six months of chemotherapy, a big operation. And at that point, I just realized that, you know, my, my situation, it's going to get fixed and I will come back and I will be well, you know. <laughs> so what am I worrying about? Um, but just that, that, that angel just appeared at that moment, just to remind mm. me of that, you know, really. And when we help someone else remember the truth of who we are, that we're bigger and than we think we our identity is bigger than what we think any one thing happening to us is and somebody reminds us of that that person also is getting a gift because they're out of their own head just going poor me why me and realizing oh i can be of service to someone i recently i was flying back from a speaking engagement and i happened to sit next to a blind man on the plane who was traveling alone. And in all the years I've traveled, I've never had that experience. And I'd had a bit of a challenge with the planes being canceled and uh, a cab to the hotel getting a flat tire. And I was like, oh brother, there's a lot going on here. And then the minute I had the opportunity to talk to this blind man traveling alone and help him down to baggage claim, all that stuff disappeared. Yeah. yeah. We, we had a couple of weeks ago, we had uh, two, uh, two blind people on the show. Uh, one who was the most accomplished British blind footballer and the mm. other one, the first um, British um, fitness and nutrition coach. And uh, they were, they were great. And uh, it, it is, it is, you know, it's fascinating just speaking to people 
with different situations and scenarios. And actually, they don't see themselves as blind, which is, uh, <laughs> and, and they see, and they, their ability, I find, to listen and to hear, hear dialogue oh, uh, yes. without, without the distraction of sight uh, means they're, they're you know, super skilled when it comes to oration and, and listening. Um, so yeah, very, very inspiring, that show. For anyone with any kind of disability who's, uh, who's listening in and wants to take some inspiration to, uh, you know, to stand up and be able to um, you know, really succeed in, in life as those two were. So I'm going to, going to go to commercial break now. And after the commercial break, I want to find out more about uh, some of, the, some of the, the thoughts around storytelling and the, the methods and, uh, and uh, ideas that John has got so that we can all become brilliant, brilliant storytellers. And, and if we're in the sales process, uh, involved in sales, how we can use that to be more effective in our jobs and uh, build relationships that aren't pushy, that are sensitive, uh, and people are going to come to come to you uh, to buy in future. So we'll be back again with you all in just a couple of minutes to join us after the break. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high-return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program, one-to-one mentoring and coaching, facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. We hear it and read about it every day in the news. America is heading over a fiscal cliff. Home prices are still receding and unemployment growing. How can you preserve and increase your wealth in this kind of economy? Tune in to Turning Hard Times into Good Times with host Jay Taylor. Jay will explain the decline of our monetary system and the economy and will give you winning investment ideas and the tools to protect and increase your wealth. Turning Hard Times into Good Times with Jay Taylor can be heard Tuesdays at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. tuned into the business elevation show with your host chris cooper if you have a question or comment about our show please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk that's chris at chriscooper.co.uk now back to chris cooper hi this is chris cooper with john Libersay, and we're talking about his fabulous new book the sale is in the tail and uh, john i'm just um just just sort of came to mind is when people utilize go through the sales process, one of the things they're taught to do is an elevator pitch. Mm-hmm. And I just wondered, you know, from your perspective, is an elevator pitch and storytelling something that's completely, completely different, um, separate? Does does one uh, are they just you know are they just two key key um, parts of the process, or is one more effective than the other? Well, I think we can decide now that we should kill the elevator pitch once and for all. They're usually boring and robotic. And it's sometimes people think, oh, it's an invitation to talk for 10 minutes. And that's what an elevator pitch is traditionally about. Instead, we want to turn it into an elevator story. And when you tell a story, an elevator story, the goal is to intrigue people enough to say, wow, Chris, that's interesting. Tell me more. 
So I have five quick little steps on how to tell an elevator story. And the first one is just opening it up with something conversational with, you know how, and then you describe who you help. In my case, a lot of salespeople in tech sales, and then you describe what their problem is. Struggling not to be lost in a sea of sameness and they feel like a commodity. And then I come in with my solution. I'm known as the pitch whisperer. I teach them how to tell stories and that's the solution. And then the resolution is after people tell stories from my talk or training, they become revenue rock stars. So you notice the first three steps are not about you. It's you know how and you're describing who you help and what their problems are before you introduce your solution as opposed to here's everything I do. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's great. Well, now I have, I, have a, I have a little elevator pitch, which just says, you know, I, I, I help um, develop leaders and their teams and build highly engaged workplaces. That's what I tend to say. So I would recommend that you insert, you know, how so many leaders in business today struggle with, Ah, okay. Like what that. is it? What is their pain point? Uh, with a great resignation, getting good people, keeping good people, um, getting everybody on the same page. Uh, what you know, keeping people motivated. Come up with two or three little things that leaders are struggling with that yeah. you then solve. Okay. And then give us a little hook as, and after working with me, the leaders are now what whatever their outcomes are. Yeah, and I suppose you've got to do that in a very you could try and do that in a nat- very natural way. It can seem a bit contrived, can't it? I, I, well, that's I why starting with, you know, how helps you keep it conversational. Because we say, you know how this winter has been really cold? That is, the people are like, oh, we're going to be having a chat as opposed to you're lecturing me. So it's it takes a bit of practice. But if you just uh, fill in those concepts of what are leaders struggling with? And you define those pain points a little bit. And then you say, so in my case, saying I'm known as the pitch whisperer, that alone intrigues people to go, wait, what's a horse? I know a horse whisperer. I know a dog whisperer. <laughs> what the heck is a pitch whisperer? It doesn't matter what seed you plant in that little elevator story. You just want them to be, tell me more about that. So what is a pitch whisperer? <laughs> Someone who helps people tell stories instead of pushing out facts. So they win more sales. Fantastic. So, What's, what's the 555 method? Well, this is something that I've developed whenever we get frustrated or rejected that you ask yourself this question. Will this matter in five minutes? Will this matter five hours from now? Will this matter five days from now? And when you zoom out like that, if it's something small like being cut off in traffic five minutes from now, it's up to you to decide if you're going to get angry and stay angry about it. But in our business life, especially, we can go, you know, I'm not going to give this any more energy. We need to be more resilient and not let the rejections take us down for two weeks. And so, you know, five hours from now, I'm going to stop thinking about this. And you must stop talking about it to other people because that's what keeps it alive in your brain. So and certainly five days from now, I'm not going to remember any of this. I will have made another sale or whatever it is. But in your situation where you have this intense challenge, you can five, five, five it again. So you go, okay, five days from now. Yeah, this is still going to be bothering me because the surgery is coming up, but all right, how about five weeks from now, five months from now, five years from now. So for example, when my father passed away several years ago, I was extremely sad. I wish I'd had the five, five, five method because I could have told myself in five years, you're still going to miss him, but you will not be as sad as you are today. This will not, this intense sadness will not stay. 
And so in your situation, Chris, with the upcoming surgery, let's five, five, five that a little bit and say, okay, five months from now, I will have gone through this. I will be on my recovery. And then five years from now, this is just going to be an amazing story of bouncing back, not once, but twice. Yes. Yes. Like it. It, it, it's uh, very helpful because like, you can get lost in the now can't you you don't really well we um, keep playing over the same horror movie in our head wondering what's you know if the didn't go right the first time what if it doesn't go right the second time and then you're down the rabbit hole again right you gotta mm -hmm. pretend like you're the pilot in the plane and pull up you know don't let yourself sell, say cut to yourself if you start to have those fearful thoughts and yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a nice a good... easy tool that everyone can start using right away and it's a, it's a good point, isn't it? I, I, a lot of people are asking me about how I am at the moment. Then the danger is you go into the story. You go into the story. You go into the yeah, story. You go into the thing again, right? You're like, <laughs> you know what? I've decided to five, five, five it. I was devastated at first. I was angry. I was whatever. You get to have all your feelings. But I keep remembering that five months from now, five years from now, this is be a just, you know, another part of my store, overall story. The more you zoom out, the easier it is to not get so caught up in the negativity or the fear. Absolutely, yeah, John. That's great, great advice, that. Uh, now, you're a pitch expert. Mm. What are the three things a good pitch should include? A great pitch should be clear, concise, and compelling. Because, let's start with the first one. If you're not clear and you confuse people, they're not going to tell you they're confused. They're just going to say no because they don't get it. Then it needs to be concise so that people can repeat it, Chris, for what I call the meeting after the meeting. Yeah. So let's say you're invited to come in and pitch your product or yourself against two other competitors. And then after they hear everybody's pitch, they have a meeting after the meeting and they sit around and they say, well, what do you think? And they go, well, they all sound the same. I guess we should go with the cheapest, which is the worst scenario. But if you've told a story, they say, oh, let me tell you, I love that story about how they helped this leader do X, Y, Z. And they go, okay. They can repeat the story, become your brand ambassador, because sometimes in those second meetings, the decision maker didn't hear all the pitches. So you need someone to remember something. And then, of course, compelling is the emotional part where we're tugging at heartstrings. And words like struggle, overwhelm, pull, make people feel like, oh, there's an emotion here that you're helping us solve. You know, longer waking up in the middle of the night panicked about X, Y, Z. Yes. Yeah. And it's interesting. You. You mentioned there about sort of, you know, kind of clear, concise, and then compelling with 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 story uh, involved in that, and and it's it's fascinating with stories that you can tell the same story, and people can actually hear it several times, and the, and and they still love it. They do. It's kind of like listening to your favorite song again. Yeah. Yeah, I had someone only two or three weeks ago say. Uh, someone said that was a really good story that you told there that really mm -hmm. kind of helped me in and someone next to them said you know it's that's the third time i've heard chris tell that story but i still love it and i still get something new out of it each time um mm. yeah it was quite i was quite pleased by that it was uh, nice to hear nice to hear so what, what is so what is john what from your perspective is the secret to becoming a great storyteller the biggest secret to becoming a great storyteller is there's four parts most people only use two or maybe three, but rarely does somebody have all four parts of a story that are you coming together. So the first part is the exposition. You need to paint that picture where people have some kind of detail where they feel like they're, they know the setting. Did this happen last week, last year? 
where are we those what's the name of the person involved those details and then you need to spend a second describing the problem in terms of struggles and pain points and get people to feel like you have an understanding of that problem then your solution and then the real secret is the resolution what is life like for someone after imagine if the wizard of oz ended with dorothy just getting in the balloon back to kansas but no there's that wonderful scene of her in bed saying oh there's no place like home and i suddenly appreciate all of you so much more than i ever did without that resolution scene that would not be a classic movie that it is today so here's an example of it in the business world i was working with a medical tech company and i said what are you saying now to get doctors to buy this equipment. Oh, it makes the surgeries go 30% faster. Do you want one? It's so logical. Why aren't you buying this? And I said, ah. So I asked some questions and here's what they say now. Imagine how happy Dr. Higgins was six months ago down at Long Beach Memorial using our equipment. He could go out to the patient's family in the waiting room an hour earlier than expected. And if you've ever waited for someone you love to come out of surgery, you know every minute feels like an hour. Mm -hmm. And... He went out and said, good news, the scope shows they don't have cancer, they're going to be fine, and then turned to the rep and said, that's why I became a doctor for moments like this. Now that rep tells that story, what I call a case story instead of a case study, to another doctor at another hospital who sees himself in the story and says, hey, that's why I became a doctor, I want your equipment too. So the client said, oh, that gives us chills. Not only are we not telling stories, it never occurred to us to make a patient's family a character in the story. So there's an example of pushing out facts versus telling a short little case story. And the impact is huge. They're obviously selling a lot more of those equipments because it's got a story connected to it. Yeah, I, I, I love that. And it, it's, it's, it's very compelling. It gets you kind of emotionally because even, you know, we've all, what, what I see in that story, people have, most people have waited for somebody who's having surgery. Exactly. <laughs> That's one of the techniques I use. I pulled you in by saying, if you've ever waited, and even mm. if you haven't, you can imagine it or you know someone that did. Mm. Yeah. I suppose, I suppose it's also, um, you could tell the story from the perspective of someone who's going in. Sure. You know, but, but you see in that case, the doctor's the hero, not the salesperson. <laughs> yes. Yes. Yeah, I like it. I like it. Have you got another example? Have you got one that you use from the stage or something that you... Oh, sure. Well, that's one of the examples I do use from the stage. I'll give you an example from an architecture firm. They were uh, pitching to renovate an airport and they had some beautiful before and after pictures, but no story. So now the story that helped them win this billion dollar renovation was six years ago. We were hired by JetBlue at JFK to renovate that terminal. And one of the challenges we faced during that period was we had to rip off all the tiles in the middle of the night from nine at night till nine in the morning and rewire everything and make sure this got done so the stores could open on time. During that night, we had all our vendors in call in case something went wrong. And sure enough, at two in the morning, a fuse blew. We had the vendor there, they fixed it. And at 8.59 in the morning, the last tile went down and all the stores opened on time. And now a year later, sales are up 22% because we've designed a place that pulls people in and keeps them shopping longer than they did before. So you can mm -hmm. see all the different steps. And when they were pitching that to the other airport, the airport said, ooh, we want that outcome, that resolution, that we can prove that this money we spent on renovating the airport drives more revenue. 
But the old way of doing this would be, you know, we use critical thinking to anticipate problems. But instead of saying that, I showed it in the story by having all the vendors on call that they could anticipate whatever might go wrong. Mm. Mm. Very, very smart. And I think one of the one of the dangers I've, I've heard with people with storytelling is sometimes the story goes on far too long. And those stories mm-hmm. that you said there, you've, there's a lot of information that mm-hmm. has been instilled in, 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 in few words, really. Mm-hmm. But it's enough to hock you in, isn't it? So there's something about, yes. there's something about brevity, isn't there? There's... Well, that's the concise part of it because it's easy to remember and repeat. Yes, yes. Someone can then go away and they can then share that story. I was with... Uh, with John mm-hmm. the other day, and John was um, got this amazing firm of architects, and what he was um, he was telling me this story, repeat the story, um, mm-hmm. you know, pretty impressive. You should talk to him. <laughs> exactly. Yep. Becomes your stories become your calling cards. Mm. Yeah. So keeping it keeping it short. I've been been with people once once or twice where I've seen them. I had um, somebody running a program once for me and decided to spend fifteen minutes talking about. Uh, their experiences running a half marathon. And I knew there were people in the audience who'd actually run marathons for a start, but it, mm. it turned into a marathon itself, bless her. Um, and it switched everybody off. No. You know, um, so it's, uh, there was something. Well, that's a very that. good point, Chris. Let's talk about that. Sometimes in, if you're in sales, and let's face it, we're all in sales, whether we're selling ourselves to get a promotion or we're tasked with getting, you know, a new product or a service bought. That you go in, you go, you got a half hour, let's say, to present or an hour. And then you get there and they go like, you know, we're running really late where you only have 10 minutes. The mistake most people make is putting 12 minutes worth of content into 10 and talking too fast. Yeah. If you're given 10 minutes, give eight minutes worth of content and just say, no problem, I'll be done in nine minutes. When you tell people you're not rattled by the shortened time and you're going to finish even early, that's impressive. Mm. Hey, we're going to get a commercial break again now and uh, some more impressive uh, dialogue from uh, from John um, coming after the break. And we're going to find out about how to tell memorable, memorable stories uh, further. We'll find out uh, a little bit about uh, what a playlist and a storytelling have in common. And we're also going to talk a little bit about um, how to ensure that your sales don't come across as being pushy and you remain mm-hmm. resilient when you get rejection. So we'll do that after the break. Do join us in just a couple of minutes. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. Would you like to work personally with the host of this show to help realize your potential? Chris Cooper supports business leaders and high potential individuals to achieve greater success in their businesses and careers. Support includes the opportunity to join a high return group mentoring and mastermind program called the Achiever Program. One to one mentoring and coaching facilitated leader development workshops and speeches. Email info at bemoreachievemore.com to arrange a free, no-obligation consultation to see how Chris and his team can help you. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. From the boardroom to you. 
Voice America Business Network. You are tuned into the Business Elevation Show with your host, Chris Cooper. If you have a question or comment about our show, please direct your emails to chris at chriscooper.co.uk. That's chris at chriscooper.co.uk. Now back to Chris Cooper. Great. I'm Chris Cooper here. I'm with John Liversay, and we're talking about, about storytelling, and uh, the sale is in the tale. And... I'm just uh, wonder, have you any more kind of thoughts for us about creating really memorable stories and maybe some, you know, maybe some mistakes that you've seen with, with, with clients possibly when you've been teaching them how to do this and mm. how you've maybe rectified? Because it's not, it's not as easy as it sounds. <laughs> well, the good news is it is a skill and it does require some practice. But once you follow that structure that I gave you, it does become easier. You have a template to follow. I th- the good news is that people will not remember the facts and figures, but they'll remember a story that goes with it. And when you make your story something that people can have a takeaway for their life, that really helps make it memorable. For example, several years ago, I met Michael Phelps at an event and I went up to him and as a former lifeguard, I was thrilled to meet him. And I said, Michael, everyone says, that you're so great as a swimmer because your feet are like fins and your lung capacity is bigger than the average person. I'm guessing there's something else. And he said, oh, yes, John. When I was younger, my coach asked me, Michael, are you willing to work out on Sundays? Yes, coach. Great. We just got 52 more workouts in the year than the competition. And I ask everyone, what are you willing to do in your business to become a gold medal winner like Michael Phelps that the competition is not willing to do? So two things, I made that story something that people can have a takeaway from and get them thinking, and that will also make the story memorable. The second thing I did there is I told the story in present time as if you're eavesdropping in on the conversation. If I had just said, Michael Phelps told me he worked out on Sundays, that wouldn't be memorable. But when I changed my voice as the coach and young Michael, then you feel like you're in the story. Yeah, yeah. But definitely, um, I, th- I think that's. I th- I'm thinking now, you know, you and I in this podcast at the moment, this in this uh, radio on our radio show, and I think when, when you're communicating like this, it's uh, it's it's just great to enable other people to maybe feel like they're they're listening in on a on a great conversation and a, a great story. Um, I always remember. I don't know why I'm, I'm maybe going off piece a little bit here, but I I once uh, upon a time went to. Costa Rica with my wife had a beautiful holiday and uh, there was a story that completely I was I was due to marry my wife for, we were in a in a, a few months time and uh, so we were sit- sitting there and I should have been looking into her eyes but actually I got <laughs> I got um, completely sideswiped by a story going on on the table next to me and these are the words that were said you know w- one of the best days of my life was when um Oh gosh, I'm just forgetting to say name now. Ah, um, Michael, Michael, Michael. Who's? Oh, sorry, my mind's gone blank. Uh, Michael, the, the famous film star, Hollywood movie actor who flies a plane and crashed it. Can you remember? Oh, Michael, Michael Douglas. Michael Douglas. Yeah, um, it was when um, she, she said one of the most amazing days of my life was when Michael Douglas um, flew uh, myself and the children in his plane over Maui, mm. and I just. Um, couldn't you know i was just suddenly <laughs> captured 
captivated and taken away. And I was always imagining I was flying in that plane. Um, and, yes. uh, you know, it, it's, uh, I think conversation is great when you listen to a conversation and it, and, uh, it engages you and the stories within it uh, take you somewhere else. Um, so I've gone completely off piste here and I'll go back on now. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> no, but that's why that's what happens is you're seeing yourself in the story. Yeah. Imagining yourself as Michael Douglas. And that's what they talk about really famous movie stars. Men want to be them. Women want to sleep with them. <laughs> that's right. Yeah. <laughs> so what do you, um, what do a playlist and storytelling have in common? Mm. Well, for people who are maybe be older, they, they might think of it as a jukebox where you push a button and a number, but young people think of it in playlists. You know, you push certain combinations and out comes a song at the right time, at the right moment. And the same should be true of your stories. You need to think of your brain as a playlist with multiple stories instead of just multiple songs. You don't want to tell the same story to every single person. You need that story to be so customized to who they are that they're going to see themselves in the story. So if you are if you have a story about that doctor that I was talking about with coming out, you know, an hour early... That's a great story to tell to a doctor. Probably not as great a story to tell to the CEO of the hospital or the person in purchasing. So you need a story that fits them. And so that's why you need multiple stories in your toolbox. Yeah. So you, so you, you collect them and you almost mm -hmm. nurture them and you almost create, imagine that you're creating your own album with them, do you? Exactly. Stories that you can then use in different circumstances. Right. And when I work with companies who hire me as a sales keynote speaker, they create repository maps where all the stories live and they start sharing each other's stories, even if they didn't make the sale, but they have that story is so good for a particular kind of buyer, they can tell that story. And the good news is it also becomes an onboarding tool for new hires to learn other people's stories that they can use until they get their own. Would you advise people to, you know, to keep a, keep a, a, a notebook? So that when they suddenly come upon a story, they think of something that uh, has maybe happened to them. Yes, like whatever works. For, if you like paper and pencil, fantastic. If you're journaling, if you like Evernote, if you like it as a Google Doc, it doesn't matter what format you use, but definitely because you forget some stories and you want to be able to refresh them and have them ready to go at the right moment. Yes, yes. I, I, sometimes it's good, to, I've found, uh, if you would, you know, with friends and you have a, suddenly you have this belly laugh about something probably, mm. probably at your own expense that you did many years ago. Yeah. <laughs> Appropriate. But so these, these moments when there's, um, there's real humor around the story, it, they can be quite helpful then to make a note of those because sometimes you can then turn those into something which engages people on a humorous level, as well as a, um, as well as maybe a, an intellectual one. And sometimes you come across something that's humorous just with a friend and then you think, oh, let me test this on an audience. Yeah. So I recently said, you know, I just found out that cold showers uh, have three benefits. They burn fat, they reduce inflammation and fight depression. Actually, it had me. It burns fat. And that usually gets a laugh. And then I say, you know, in fact, I've stopped working out altogether and all I do is take three cold showers a day. <laughs> so you build on the initial laugh and take it another step further. Yeah, so there's a good point there too. You what you mentioned about is about testing. So you you test your stories. So imagine you you've tested your stories out before you go and then test them on a big stage. Exactly. Right. Yes. 
so do, do, do you test them with friends and family mm -hmm. and, uh, how, yeah. how and, and you know, I, you know, I tend to become friends with, you know, people in stores, the dry cleaners, the grocery store clerk. And I'll say, uh, I'll test it with them, <laughs> if, you know, because those are strangers. They don't feel obligated to laugh. Um, mm -hmm. Laughter is uh, sort of an unconscious, subconscious response. It's not. Oh, I think we're going to laugh now. You know, it's an unexpected, it catches you off guard. And so that's when you know, oh, uh, sometimes I'm my funniest when I'm not trying to tell a joke. Mm. Mm. We all, um, with, with, with selling, from your experience, how do you avoid being seen as, uh, as pushy? So it mm. becomes, because I, I, no one likes to have a talk to a pushy right. salesperson, do they? And right. how, how do you best overcome that? Well, most salespeople feel they're pushiest at the end when they're asking for the order. Hmm. You know, the famous therapist, um, Abraham Maslow, said, if the only tool in your toolbox is a hammer, you tend to go around looking for nails to hit, which is, I only have one tool, a hammer, which is asking someone, do you want to buy? Do you want to hire me? Whatever. And the good news is, once you've told a compelling story, there's a magic question I give my clients, and now I'm going to give everyone here, which is, You've told this amazing story of another doctor at another hospital. And then you say, does that sound like the kind of journey you'd like to go on? And if the story is strong enough and they've seen themselves in it, that's not a pushy way to get them to say yes. They will more than likely say, yes, it does sound like the kind of journey I'd like to go on. Yeah. And that's another tool in your toolbox to not feel pushy. I like that. That's, that's a, is that a type of journey you would like to go on? Mm-hmm. Very, it doesn't come across. It comes across as quite humble. Mm. Yes, so exactly. The humility, therefore, is important. Right. Yeah. And what about what about those salespeople who who struggle sometimes, as many, many people when they're selling do, with resilience? You know, keeping going and keeping going, going into the, handling rejection and then moving on. Yes. Well. How fast you get back up is the secret. When I was giving my TEDx talk, I followed another speaker, Bonnie St. John, and her story about having her leg cut off when she was a young girl and then going on to be in the Paralympic downhill skiing in her 20s. And she said there were two races. And the first race, she was in first place. And then the second mountain was much icier and everybody was falling down and she also fell down. And then they took the average of the two times and they said, oh, you came in second place. While you were the fastest going down the first mountain, you were not the fastest to get back up after you fell down on the second mountain. And so that really is the secret, is we're going to get knocked down. Don't be shocked. Don't be devastated by it. Go, all right, how fast can I get back up? And that's really where 555 can help of, am I going to worry about this five days, five hours from now, whatever it is? And... The more you let that go, uh, whether it's a no or a rejection, the better it is. And the other tip I have is call a client after you've received a rejection or a no. Call an existing client that you recently did make a sale to. Not to sell them anything else, just check in. Want to, let's say you're selling a luxury car. Want to see how you're enjoying your Jaguar? And, and then they'll start describing it, hopefully positively, and then you remember what that outcome is and how happy you make somebody when you find them the perfect car or house or whatever it is you're selling. And that cleanses your palate mentally. Like, you know, sometimes you get sorbet at a restaurant uh, between courses. That's what you need to do to let go of that rejection to be more resilient.
Wow, love that. Hey, we've come to the end of the interview now, and I'm just wondering if you've if you've got any final messages that you'd like to leave us with. One of my favorite quotes is from Arthur Ashe, the famous tennis pro, who said, the key to success is confidence, and the key to confidence is preparation. So the more you prepare to learn how to tell a story, the more confident you're going to be, and then I promise the more successful you will be. Like it. Preparation. Key to success is confidence, and the key to confidence is is, is um, preparation. preparation. Yeah, mm -hmm. brilliant. Brilliant. Hey, John, I've absolutely loved this conversation. I think there's so many, so many little, you know, gifts in there from 555. That's going to be helpful to me personally, I think, in terms of my right. resilience going forward and, uh, you know, creating everything clear and concise and compelling. And I love that, uh, that discussion that we had about, uh, you know, you, you know, you know how um, discussing that, you know, identifying the problem, um, mm -hmm. solution, the resolution, um, that's all, all brilliantly helpful. Uh, and I think, um, you know, that, that point there towards the end uh, for me about uh, getting up, that, that was a very powerful story about the, uh, about the, um, the lady skier. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And you get the, you're going to get up quicker <laughs> and ring, ring somebody when you're down. Hey, there's yeah. so many, um, yeah, there's so many different, you know, elements of value in here. And I think if um, I'd recommend to people um, go out and buy, is it available now, by the way? Oh, yes. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. The sale is in the tale. Five storytelling secrets to keep from drowning in a sea of sameness. And uh, listen to the story. Um, John's got brilliant storytelling techniques. So there's going to be a great story in there about uh, about the sales representative in, in, in Austin, in Texas. Mm -hmm. uh, go and enjoy that journey and, and utilize it as a way to elevate your ability to tell amazing stories. John, I hope you've enjoyed being on the show today. It's been great having you on. It's a pleasure to spend time with you and knowing that your upcoming challenges are nothing that you can't handle. I'm sure you're going to be bouncing back before we know it. Thanks again for having me. Absolutely. You're very, very welcome. And on next week's show, uh, we have back Neil McCoy Ward. Neil's an, an investor and an economic forecaster. He has, he's, he's got an, an amazing number of businesses. He's a public speaker. He owns all sorts of letting companies and home companies and, and I just I interviewed him a number of months ago, and the, the amount of research he does around what's go, actually going on is just in the world. He's just fascinating. I just opened up actually in front of me a couple of twi twitters that he's uh, he's put out. So six days ago, just for your information, inflation can take up to eighteen months to hit an economy. The inflation we're seeing now was created by governments and central banks. It's nothing to do with Russia and Ukraine. Don't fall for it. Um, and then another recent one, the world, three days ago, the world is in chaos. It's just the start. Take action now while you still can, because you soon won't be able to. So next week, I want to find out um, you know, about some of the actions that we need to take, what's truly going on. Uh, he's, um, he's an amazing individual in terms of the depth that he travels around the globe uh, to um, understand what's really happening. And I think right now it'll be good to get a sounding from Neil as to what really is going on and how we kind of protect ourselves and our finances and uh, our families from uh, what is a, a, a chaotic and challenging time. So do join us next week for that. And once again, John Liversay, you were brilliant. Thank you, Chris. We thank you for listening to the Chris Cooper Business Elevation Show. Please join your host, Chris Cooper, again next Friday at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time.
on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.